raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. One more hour to go on Wesson Walker before Kyle Bailey takes over alongside Smoke Ludwig. I felt bad for Smoke last night. I had to watch the Duke-Virginia Tech game with him. We were doing the pregame show for the Charlotte Hornets right before they took on the Utah Jazz. And, of course, they had the big drought. What was it, down 13 at one point, I think Duke was. They come back. They actually get the lead. Hokies come back and then... Filipowski gets punched, zero free throws, and Duke would end up losing that game. North Carolina has a game tonight. They'll be taking on Syracuse. But we didn't really give Armando Baycott his flowers overall as far as where he he falls on the pantheon of all-time Tar Heel players. And I always like having these legacy conversations. I'm fascinated by how we're going to evaluate Caleb Love when his career is done. Because he's going to have one of the more memorable moments in Heels history. Yes. In a decorated history when he hit the shot against Duke. But every time I watch a game and I go to my Twitter feed with a bunch of Heels fans on it, they're always wanting to see more minutes for Seth Trimble. They always want Caleb Love to play better. They want him to go to the bench. Like, I see that all the time. Yeah across my heels timeline, but he has one of the better moments ever in that decorated history. Everybody loves Armando though. And I know why it's because the guy has a million rebounds. He just set the record for all time rebounds of any North Carolina player to ever play for the program that involves Tyler Hansborough greats like Sam Perkins, all the big guys that have played with the heels. How are we going to remember him as an all time North Carolina, big guy, and an all-time ACC big guy. Wes, what do you think? Man, I think as far as Carolina lore, he's got to be up there. And as far as ACC lore, he's got to be up there as well because of the institution that he goes to. I mean, you're talking about also he has the double-double record. So he's getting buckets along with getting those rebounds. Uh, he was the guy that took him on that final four run last year. He came back. And this season, he's been as advertised. Uh, you know, as far as the Tar Heels having struggles, but he hasn't been a part of those. He's been the one bright spot for them all season long. He leads the team in scoring, rebounding, offensive rebounding, field goal percentage, as I said, and he's just been a guy that they can depend on. They get him the ball down in the paint. He'll get you a bucket there. He gets to the line. And, oh, yeah, he passes the ball uh, really well, as well as some of their guards as well. So he's creating offense for others. Him and Leaky Black have the highest plus minuses on the Carolina team. But I think if Carolina can get this thing together and get it going in the right direction, he's certainly a player of the year candidate. He's won the ACC Player of the Week countless times. I think there's only two other players in Tyler history that's won it more than he has. Uh, This has been a guy that's just been tremendous for them all season long. But I think as far as when you talk about his place historically, just – cycling through the Carolina bigs like that. I mean, I think he's got to be at least top three. Well, let me give you some names, then, Fiddy, we can hear what you have to say. Because all-time rebounding list, it's Armando who just passed Tyler Hansborough for that title. Sam Perkins was three. George Lynch, four. Billy Cunningham, five. Kennedy Meeks, six. Bryce Johnson, seven. Anton Jameson, eight. Mitch Kupchak, nine. Brad Doherty, ten. It's a star-studded list. 
even if you're talking about somebody like Kennedy Meeks, no, he didn't have any NBA career. Yeah, but, he's but he has really a title. College player, right, yeah. no, that that's the point. And then so if you go to somebody that it did not have a good NBA career but has a title in Kennedy Meeks, then you go to somebody like Anton Jameson who had one of the more special years we've seen from a North Carolina Tar Heel. If you look at just a season total, most amount of rebounds that we've seen from a player in Carolina history, I mean, Armando Baycott had 5'11 last year, just destroyed the record Bryce Johnson had at 416, almost 100 more rebounds in an entire season. You did get to the championship game, but remember, Bryce Johnson did too, right? He also got to the championship game that same season. Fiddy, what say you as we try to evaluate the meaning of Armando Baycott in this illustrious history? I mean, to get top three, he has to win a national championship. Like Big like, man all time or player all time? Oh, big man all time. He's right. supposed to get a natty. Right. Like, because I... As a Carolina fan, I'm not even willing to say he's the best rebounder of all time, even though he has the the stats. That I'm going to go the most decorated because, like, if Billy Cunningham would have played four years, what what were his rebounding numbers look like? I mean, I hope hope my guy Colin Hoggard got his stat out during his show today. He had 60 double doubles in 69 career games. Armando Baycott has 61 double doubles in 119 games. The thing that I've come around to with Armando Baycott is he has put his name in the same echelon of like the Kobe Whites, the Joel Berries, the Marcus Pages, that for modern Tar Heels or, or, or for modern Tar Heel fans, every everyone identifies with Armando. Like there are some Tar Heel fa- players that come and go, even, even if they're good or great players, but they don't have that same pool with the fan base. Armando Baycott has that pool. Mm-hmm. He's got, you know, he came out the season with his hair like Ramsey's horns. He's got the foot tattooed on his arm. He literally said on national television he would die for this <laughs> university. But to be, ne- be mentioned in the same breath as Hansborough, Sam Perkins, those type of guys, you got to have a natty. Yeah, you do have to get a national championship. And he came extremely close just last year. And then the second half happened against Kansas. And it didn't quite go uh, the way that Heels, hands, uh, Heels fans, I should say, had hoped for. And you're talking about a lot of really interesting names here. If if he wins that national championship, I mean, the rebounds are only going to get to an absurd level. I mean, I don't even, I mean, I don't even know what kind of pace he's on right now. I know he missed some games. I know he was out, of course, Virginia when he only played the one minute and then was out immediately after that. But you're talking about some really impressive accolades that he is going to bring in to this program. Caleb Love, I want to get to some of these texts too because uh, 704 or excuse me, yeah, 704 number wrote in. Armando set the record for rebounds because he plays with Caleb Love. 704 number again said, I want Caleb Love to enter the portal. I'm a Carolina fan. Fiddy, how, I, I've asked this a couple times, but this is why, right? Because you do have the shot against Duke. Yep. You retired Coach K. You won what a lot of heel fans might say is the most important game in program history. Like It might be beating the Duke Blue Devils in that Final Four contest, and Caleb Love hit the biggest shot. How do we evaluate his spot in the pantheon of all times heels players. He retired coach K that's that if, if uh, unless he is a big part of a national title run where they get back to the final four, they get back to the final Monday and he helps them win. That's what he is because his numbers are never going to be overly impressive. He is as inefficient a player that I can remember, but that comes with his playing style. He's a volume shooter. 
Volume is just a cute way to say, hey, you're inefficient when you shoot the basketball. Right. So that that's what his legacy is right now. It's not a bad legacy. I mean, you retired our arch our 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 our, our arch enemy for good. You basically ended the rivalry unless they meet again in the final four or in a national championship. So it's not a bad legacy to have, but he's not he we're not gonna feel the same way about him like we do Armando Baycott. That simple. What do you think, Wes? I mean, I think as far as Caleb Love is concerned, too, I, I mean, I feel the same way. He's a guy that's kind of gotten Carolina into more trouble than great moments. Like I said, he does have the tournament to hold on to, but as far as this season, just been very, very underwhelming. It's like, do you, when he plays and you, you watch him and you're just like, have you not gotten better as long as you've been here? It's, it's like when he decided to come back to school this year, you're thinking, okay, he's going to be more mature. He's worked on some things in his game, and it's still the same. Ill-advised shots, inefficiency, high-volume shooting, sometimes you know, getting Carolina in positions of peril because of the shots that he's taking. So, no, I don't think that he's a Tar Heel that I would remember uh, that much. Like I said, I mean, I love the ACC. I may not be a, a Tar Heel fan like that, but I'm still an ACC guy, and I've watched a ton of them coming up. And so just for me, he's not a Tar Heel in the – history i'm gonna go back and be like oh i remember kayla love like mm -hmm. that i'm like man you know he was a guy that was a streaky shooter that had a couple of moments there so um that's how i'll think of him but do you think that if usc can pick up their play and he continues on this tear as far as double doubles go that he could get the national player of the year or do you think that's going to be a little bit too far out armando Baker? Uh, yeah Ar well and and that's something if you go back to it there's this bleacher report article that was updated i believe late december that had armando at number 14 behind jelly walker yes one of the better nicknames out there in college mm -hmm. basketball he plays for uab behind some guys like uh terrence shannon jalen pickett oscar Shibway is up towards the top but armando was at 14 at that spot if you look at what he's done since he played Virginia and was injured, only playing what is listed as one minute, I think it was like 30 seconds, he's come back and against Louisville, went for 14 and 16, 20 and 16 against Boston College, 23 and 18 against NC State. Those are the three games that he played after that Virginia contest. He's been an absolute monster. And so now here's, I'll flip this question. Yes, I do think there's a shot that he can win National Player of the Year, especially if the heels finish strong. And if that's the case, then we got to revisit this whole Pantheon conversation again. Because I go back to Jameson. When you look at Jameson, this is someone that didn't win a title. But clearly, a top college basketball player there. And also, you know, we just went over the accolades where he ranks among the all-timers. So if Baycott gets a Player of the Year award but doesn't win a championship, or if he does, if he gets both of those, I mean, we're talking about some pretty crazy status right. with Armando. If he gets a player of the year award and a natty, I mean, you're you're not above Hansborough. Hansborough has it all. Yeah, you, he's you, untouchable. Tyler Hansborough is untouchable. Is there anybody else that you would say is untouchable for Armando? Because I can't Carolina think of history. Yeah. Yeah, no, I wouldn't say so. Fitty, what about you? If he wins a National Player of the Year award and a title, is there somebody that you would say is – who does he pass, right? Do you agree that Hansborough is untouchable and that might be it? Yeah, I mean, because yeah, I, I think that would be enough to pass him by, you know, the Cunninghams, the Sam Perkins of the world. You know, like from, from just a playing standpoint, Jamison's a better player than Armando Baycott. Right. You know, Baycott just has more accolades. Uh, I would argue that Zeller's a better player than Baycott. He just has more accolades and stuff like that. So. Well, and Zeller probably didn't have enough time 
as Four much. Four year player. But but he also got hurt in that Kentucky game freshman year. Mm-hmm. And also, man, the championship he won was a year where he wasn't even participating all that much. So but no, I I hear what you're saying though, right? Like eventually would get to the NBA and and was valued. I get that. Yeah, so I mean like yeah, there's there's no one touching Hansboro. Hansboro has been and will be barring I mean, I don't even know who could really go to Carolina and do what he did to be considered a greater player than him. I mean, I, I think if he gets a national player of the year and a natty, he definitely gets in that top five. He's not getting national player of the year, though. Yeah. I mean, it's going to take a lot. Like, Zach, what, what Zach Keady's doing at Purdue, it's historic. Jalen Wilson from Kansas is the best player I've seen in college basketball all season long. That's why I stayed up and stayed inside the house last night <laughs> to watch Kansas and Baylor instead of being at a bar trying to pick up women. You know, th- <laughs> there are just so many other great players around the country. And because he, like, for someone to get national player of the year at Carolina, you got to do historic stuff. He's doing some pretty great stuff, but you got to go on a tear because it, it's pretty hard to be the national player of the year at UNC. Um, we've seen some great centers in the entire ACC, and also that includes Wake Forest, Wes's alma mater. We got to see Tim Duncan, right? Like, if we're just looking at the conference big man lore, I think Armando is going to be remembered as maybe not Tim Duncan, not trying to put him there, but as some of these other guys that deserve a look back once we get into the future. So, if we're looking at Wake Forest now, I've always wanted the Demon Deacons to get back to that kind of status. The last time they held that power. It was when Chris Paul, Eric Williams were there. Those were, you know, Justin Gray, right? Like you had some of those great players in the mid 2000s, the 05 games between the Heels and the Demon Deacons. Wake Forest isn't there, clearly. But what does Steve Forbes in this program have to do, Wes, in order for them to get over the hump to reach the NCAA tournament, maybe even make a Sweet 16 run? How confident are you that this is a team that actually can achieve some of that stuff? Well, for one, for them to get back to kind of where they were in the dunking years, a coach is going to have to go and have that air up there moment where he goes to the islands and stumbles across a seven-footer who can, you know. Nobody has seen him. A generational yeah. <laughs> talent, right? Um, but for Wake, the thing is, you know, they are a good team together. We talked about how well they shoot the basketball and when they can take care of the basketball, they can play with anybody. But it just seems like they're missing that key ingredient to get over the hump against some of the upper echelon teams like we saw against Virginia. They were close. They were right there with Virginia, but they couldn't get it done. And I said all season long, I've worried about them being led by you know, a small guard is him being their primary scorer. And we saw that against Virginia when he was trying to penetrate. He had a tough time as far as uh, getting to the cup and finishing some of those baskets. Um, Monsanto, streaky shooter. He's a guy, I mean, he can shoot the rock, but he doesn't really put it on the floor that well. He'll just is a good guy. They have a lot of, of good players as far as just them playing together as a unit. And I've said all year that's the difference between the team this year and last year that was LaRavia and Williams and then everybody else. This team is more of a unit. So I think they are a team that, as we stated in the question, they're going to get close. They're going to give some teams a hard time. I think this is a team that will finally make some noise in the ACC tournament and perhaps get to the NCAA tournament. But I don't think – Depending on the, we see it all the time in March. There are teams that make runs. Wake could get in there and end up getting a decent draw, knocking some teams off and making a run. 
Uh, but for right now, I think this is just a good team that'll get close, but no cigar. Yeah, I, I hope that they can get to the NCAA tournament. I hope they can get a solid seed, and uh, I would like to see them make a run. Of course, we'll see what the other ACC teams can do once we get to March. Let's talk about the playoffs in the National Football League coming up the next segment. Mahomes or Burrow, we got a hot soundbite from Dan Orlovsky, part of ESPN, saying Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the NFL. Pat Mahomes is the best player. But Joe Burrow is the best quarterback. What does he mean by that? We'll talk about it. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 FM. Here we go. Back from break. Wesson Walker, 92.7 FM, WFNZ. With my man, Walker Mail. Fitty in the back, holding it down. NFL playoffs this weekend. This is my second favorite sports weekend of the year besides Super Bowl. Is the conference championship weekend. Championship Sunday, man. I love it. You wake up, you can just feel it in the air. I almost like the divisional round, wild card round more. Just wow. more games. Just quantity. Well, was, yeah, you get more games, and that is excellent. Like I, the first couple weekends of the March Madness. And that is, to me, the Thursday opening up the tournament. Yeah, I like the first weekend. Is my favorite sports day not even close. It is by far my favorite sports day of all time. Every single year, Selection Sunday, mm-hmm. Greg Gumbel is my Santa Claus, mm-hmm. and he brings me all these goodies by revealing <laughs> the bracket. Yeah. And that is my favorite part of every single season. I like when um, anything where I can get in the bed and then I can watch it and fall asleep to it. And that's the thing I love about the first couple weekends of March Madness. You get those late games. So you could be in the bed chilling, had a game on. You might fall asleep on it. You might not, depending on what's going on. Fitty, I am getting, I mean, giddy. I am getting excited about March Madness, knowing that it is not all that far away. It gener- it brings happy feelings. It brings vibes within me. Does it do the same for you? I know we've talked about how much we love it. It's the best sporting event in the world, and it starts because it's, it's nonstop action. And the best part about the, the first two days of the tournament is, is you can feel it whenever you think craziness is on. Like you can feel it starting to happen, and that's why, that's why I I love playing late because usually the later that you play into the night, it gives it time for that wave of the upsets to kind of get done. So when Carolina's playing at nine fifty seven. I'm I'm not complaining. It's such a time, right? 9:57, 8:57. It feels like the 57s are the time that the late games are going to tip off. <laughs> yeah, man, no doubt about it. But listen. College basketball, that's good. All that's fine. But as I said, it's big-time football getting played. And uh, two of the guys in this weekend's festivities, Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, a lot of debate is happening. Pat Mahomes is 0-3 to Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is getting all the gas right now. Everybody's starting to say that he is the best quarterback in the NFL. Play the hits. Dan Orlowski talking about Joe Burrow being the best in the league. Let's hear it. Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in football. Mm. Okay. Now, <laughs> mm. let me be very mm. clear with what I'm saying, okay? Chiefs fans. Patrick Mahomes, best player. He's the most talented player in the NFL, and he's the most dynamic weapon. Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in football. When it comes to quarterbacking, when it comes to yep. understanding play calls, when it comes to understanding what you have to do with the football, when it comes to understanding what the defense is, when it comes to understanding pocket manipulation, when it comes to timing and rhythm and accuracy and ball play, uh, Joe Burrow's the best. Mm-hmm. He's the standard right now. The, the consistency with what Joe does, and the way I'll say it is this, the fascinating part is all the stuff that Patrick, Josh Allen, yeah. Lamar, Jalen Hurts do, 
Guys, you can't do that stuff. That, they're outliers when it comes to so much of their stuff. All the stuff that Joe does, you can, but he's the only one who does. Mm. <laughs> That's the thing that fascinates me about Joe Burrow. I mean, I can buy that to an extent, but still, man, Patrick Mahomes in the five straight AFC championship games at this point, over 5,000 yards passing. Just the way that he just lights up every team that he plays. I'm still going with Patrick Mahomes for my money, man. He's unstoppable. He's the guy that when my team plays against him, I'm a little bit intimidated. I'm worried about worried about that. So I'm taking Mahomes for my money. Still is the best NFL quarterback player. Whichever way you want to put it, the man is dominant. What say you? Yeah, Dan Orlovsky also within, I don't know if he said it in this soundbite and I wasn't listening. We were doing a lot of grunts because Orlovsky was doing that. Ryan Clark was doing it. <laughs> But he also said Pat Mahomes is the best player, but Joe Burrow is the best quarterback. Right. And he really tried to force quarterback to only mean the processing part of the game. Really the smarts, right? I mean, that's what he's talking about, recognizing defenses and then reacting from there what decision to make in the moment that something is happening. If you hear people talk about Pat Mahomes, it's not the arm strength. It's not the side angle, no look passes. Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy. They all talk about his processing and his competitiveness. Pat Mahomes is out here being as smart as any quarterback in the NFL. And to pair that along with all the sidearm passes that he throws to, to me, I can't buy it. And I love Joe Burrow. That guy is fantastic. If you want to call him right now the second best quarterback in the league, I'm cool with it. What he's done last year and so far this year, I'm cool with that. I think Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback I may have ever seen in my entire lifetime. And when we talk about the end of his career, he's going to have to bring you the championships that Tom Brady did. And I understand all the accolades that come with that. I get it. But as far as me watching a certain player and saying, oh, my God, that might be the best player I've ever seen at that position. Pat Mahomes hits Joe Burrow. Not right now by any stretch. And I can't get him um, a place above Pat Mahomes on the list. Fiddy, what do you think about your boy as well? I know you're a huge fan of Joe Burrow. He's three and no against Pat Mahomes. He is. He's the only quarterback to have beaten Pat Mahomes three times since Pat Mahomes became a starter in the National Football League. I still think Mahomes is better. Uh, and, you know, Flounder mentioned this this morning on the Mac Attack. We had a pretty in-depth conversation while we were hanging out on Saturday about the trio of quarterbacks between Mahomes, Burrow, and Allen, where maybe they're the new Brady, Manning, and Roethlisberger, what you saw in the mid-2000s with Mahomes being the Brady, Burrow being the Peyton Manning and Josh Allen being the, the, the Roethlisberger from a body type and the type of guy that probably just won't get to the Super Bowl as often as those others. I think the gap is closing because what Joe Burrow is doing with the weapons is is still phenomenal because he has as bad an offensive line I've ever seen an elite quarterback have. This guy's lived on his ass the last two years. He got sacked seven times in a playoff game and won. I, I think it's that. It's, it's the intangibilitics part of it that has really put has really closed the gap between Mahomes and Burrow. Burrow's past Josh Allen. He he's better than Allen. It's now between Mahomes and Burrow. I think that gap's closing and I think it's gonna be a fun ten to twelve years. And whoever has the most Lombardis, I think will be the one that comes out on top of this discussion. See I don't think it's closing because you look at the fact of Patrick Mahomes lost Cheetah. Everybody thought that he was going to take a dip. Everybody thought this offense wasn't going to be what it was. He only goes out and throws for 5,250 yards and 41 touchdowns. 
He does more with less. Nobody on that Kansas City receiving core right now is a household name. Nobody's sitting there saying, oh, I'm super scared of Juju Smith-Schuster. Or I'm super super scared of Kadarius Toney. I think that Joe Burrow, yes, the offensive line hasn't been uh, what you want it to be. But the fact that he has arguably the best duo in football, one of them, uh, that speaks for itself. Jamar Chase has been just super dynamic and oh, then yeah. you add T Higgins to the mix Hayden Hurst at tight end and Joe Mixon in the backfield he's got a fantastic set of weapons yeah I, I always hate when we have these conversations because that means you need to uh, you know you need to make comments about why somebody is worse and that means it feels like right, you don't right, like right, them. Right, so right. I'm good at that. Yeah, no, you are. You're very good at it. And I don't want to do that with Joe Burrow because you're right. The offensive line isn't good. This year, Joe Burrow has a worse offensive line in Kansas City. The, the, the Chiefs, they went and fixed that. It was, an, it was a problem and they went and fixed it and they became one of the best offensive lines. But they didn't have that against Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl that they reached in 2020. I mean, against San Fran, excuse me, against Tampa Bay when they lose 31-9, to Wasn't it amazing how everybody came in the day after and said that was the best performance I've ever seen from a quarterback that threw two interceptions, no touchdowns, and lost 31-9? Because he's throwing parallel to the ground between a guy hitting him right in the numbers and you get a drop. Like, nobody helped Pat Mahomes, especially when you drop your tackles, your top tackles in that game. If you go to Cincinnati last year, maybe some problems through turn interceptions against the Bengals, and so that was a big deal. But this is the stat I go to with Pat Mahomes. That guy took over the starting job in 2018, and he has played in the AFC Championship game every single year as a starter. Every single year. Every single season. And a championship. And he's played in two championships, one one already in his young career as a starter. You said what? Against two? Oh, God. What are you saying? (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was some kind of like, wait, who did he beat? I was like, he was in the Super Bowl. Oh, I thought you were trying to say that. Yeah, no, you're trying to say that. Well, we've (laughs) been there. Yeah, we've been there. You you hadn't had a personal Super Bowl Sunday in quite some time. It's been amazing watching Pat Mahomes play. He's still the top to me. Yeah, like I said, you just look at the numbers 192 touchdowns to 49 interceptions. He's got two seasons where he threw 11 interceptions between the two of them. So to me, to me, it's not even close. I just think Mahomes is arguably the Michael Jordan of the NFL. It's hard to win Super Bowls like you can in the NBA if you have the best roster. So, yeah, he has a Super Bowl loss uh, on his resume as well. But I just think Mahomes is just unbelievable. I can't wait to see what he will do this weekend, you know, with the bum ankle and if he's going to be able to overcome that because we right. see him overcome a lot. But to me, Joe Burrow... He's certainly coming for sure, and he's rising fast, but it's all about my home. So, uh, also in the playoffs, as you said. said. (laughs) (laughs) So, then we talked about I made the video, put it on our uh, Twitter, Instagram, the WFNZ Instagrams and Facebooks, and our uh, Wesson Walker Twitter. Talking about Cam Newton. Every time the Bills play, he's trending because Josh Allen is a guy that a lot of people act like, and I said it in the video, things that he is doing is new. Uh, I've also complained about some of the things he gets passes about, that Cam Newton used to do the same things, and people would give him a lot of crap about it. So where's Josh Allen in you guys' minds? Are the comparison of him and Cam Newton justified? Yeah, you are right about Cam Newton having his name circulating on social media, especially here in North Carolina when the Buffalo Bills do well because the Josh Allen comp is there. I used to say that Cam Newton was a unique quarterback, that there was never anybody that came anywhere close to him as a comparison. I think if you talk about 
body. Josh Allen is about as close as you get. And then even since then, Justin Fields has entered the equation. Right. So if you want to talk about the overall body, right, just athletic makeup, speed, size, strong arm, I can go with a Josh Allen or Justin Fields. But when you're talking about some of the success, I do think Cam Newton is separated because of his lack of weapons with the Carolina Panthers. You don't have that in Buffalo anymore. Right. And that's a testament to what Brandon Bean had done leading up to this year. You're supposed to give your young QB all the weapons. That's why people got mad at Dave Gettleman after a while. It's because even in the Super Bowl season, Calvin Benjamin, we thought that was going to be a huge downfall for the offense. Little did we know that the rookie season production was going to be a huge aberration. The weapons that he had, it was Ted Ginn, who Billy Marshall just put out a clip on Twitter where Ted Ginn drops like I saw that. 400 yards worth yep. of throws. And, I, I mean, it's, I, I counted it. I, I didn't have enough to do yesterday, so I actually counted all the amount of yardage that he would have had had he just I held on to him. I do. Um, interesting. But yes, I do need a life. And I did count it up. It was like 400 yards. Greg Olson is amazing, but Greg Olson tells you constantly, Cam Newton is the best thing to ever happen to my career. He has said that multiple times, multiple times. So when you're talking about an offensive line too, that's not very good. Yeah, I just think Cam Newton right now is still above what Josh Allen has brought you so far. Still a long career for Josh. We'll see what he does, but Cam Newton is special, man. And I hate that we try to denigrate that because Josh Allen is, you know, still on the up and up and we've tried to give that to him yet. Not so fast, in my opinion. Yeah, first five years, Cam got an MVP, went to the Super Bowl. He had three Pro Bowls to his name, AP All-Pro. Josh Allen's had a couple of Pro Bowls, and like I said, he's gone to the playoffs and gone home in the same round. So to me, Cam Swag Daddy is above him, and I think, you know, Josh Allen has a little bit to get to before he gets there. We'll see if the punishment, because, you know, Josh Allen does not like to slide. He likes to try to be a tough guy and run over people and stuff like that. And, you know, Cam kind of showed you the running took a toll on him as his career went on. We'll see what happens with Josh Allen. And we got some people texting in. Couch Coach Kyle wrote in, Cam Newton was 6'6", 260. Josh Allen ain't even close to that. Well, I mean, if you look it up on... Josh Allen's a big boy. Yeah, 6'5", 237. Cam Newton was uh, is listed at trying to bring him up as well. 6'5", 240? Yeah, 6'5", 245. Like, they're they're very, very close to each other. Either way, big, big, big guy. So, yo... What do the teams in the postseason right now, though, tell you about the blueprints to get there? We know a lot of the age-old adages with football, defense, and run game and things of that nature, but we have some dynamic football teams, dynamic quarterbacks in the postseason right now. What do these teams tell you about the blueprint to success in today's NFL game? I think it's interesting that you look at all of these teams and 75% of them have invested in the quarterback except for San Francisco, who did invest in the quarterback, but actually hit later on. Right. They, they were failing up, as I kind of mentioned, with the way the Brock Purdy is playing. So Philadelphia didn't draft the first rounder, but second rounder, they took a flyer on Jalen Hurts, and that guy has been outstanding. Kansas City absolutely did when they traded up a lot to go get Pat Mahomes, and Cincinnati drafted Joe Burrow as the number one overall selection. Who are we talking about as the best quarterbacks in the league? It's the number one overall pick in Joe Burrow, and it's the guy that Kansas City heavily invested in. I think at pick 10 is what they went to go up and and select Pat Mahomes. The thing about San Francisco that's always been interesting, they've always been the outlier in my opinion, is the fact, and I know we disagree on this, Mm -hmm. but it's the fact that they paid all of this money to Jimmy Garoppolo who I think is not a great quarterback, fine at best in my opinion, but they hit and took the harder route 
on every other position. I mean, they hit on a lot of different defensive prospects. Those guys had been very good. They hit on Adebo Samuel. Running back, that was always kind of weird, but then they actually traded for Christian McCaffrey, and so now he's been somebody that can help Elijah them. Elijah Mitchell had 930 as a rookie. Right, and 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 they've they've actually had some success in bringing in Raheem Mostert and, and some of these other guys, but you get the point. Like, quarterback with San Francisco, it's not somebody that you've ever had a top-five guy in, right? Like Jalen Hurts, you could argue he was a top-five QB this season as we kind of put him in that MVP conversation. So I think San Francisco is the one that's interesting to me compared to all these other teams that are still here on Conference Championship weekend. I think some things change and some things stay the same. You look at a lot of these teams, the Eagles with their 70 sacks, pass rush is going to always rule the day. You look at the 49ers with Bosa out there on the edge and the way that they can bring it to the quarterback. Chris Jones at Kansas City, the Eagles and their defensive guys are I mean, not the Eagles, the Bengals. And those guys, they got up front, Hendrickson and those boys. So pass rush is still going to be the name of the game to get to this point because you're going to go against nasty quarterbacks. And all four of the quarterbacks that we have still remaining are playing great football or else their teams wouldn't be there. I think you look at the fact that you have to insulate your team with weapons. Tell me a team in this round right now that doesn't have a team chopped full of weapons. Everybody's got them. And then they just, the way they go about their business, where you look at 49ers, the 49ers and how dynamic their play calls are in the run game. They run it, but they run it in a different way than a lot of people do. The Eagles, the same way. Their running game is robust, but they also have the weapons on the edge. Kansas City just dissects you through the air in a myriad of ways. And then the Bengals, you look at the balance that they have. Yeah, and I think this proves just how important offensive line is as well. Because if you look at Philadelphia, probably best offensive line in the league, Kansas City went and fixed it for Pat Mahomes. And then you talk about San Francisco having maybe the best single player on the offensive line in the league with Trent Williams just being an absolute beast yeah. at the left tackle spot. And the Bengals spot. are aberration because they had injuries on the line. A lot of people thought they were going to get slaughtered because so, of that, and they step up. And so if you don't have the offensive line, like Kansas City did it in a couple of years ago, you have to have a special QB. Right. And that's what you have with Pat Mahomes or Joe Burrow in some of these moments where you look at just how important it is. So the playoffs this weekend, tremendous, tremendous matchups. There's a lot of different ways to go about your business. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what route yeah. the Panthers take with the next coach that they bring in. How are they going to build their roster to be able to get to this point, hopefully in the future? Coming up next, what's on tap for tonight? Fitty's sports history moments. I'm sure he'll have something slanted towards his interest <laughs> on WFNZ 92.7. It's the Wesson Walker Show. through a brick wall with this music. That's a little Riri, man, at the Super Bowl. That's Riri and ASAP Rock. Are you I mean, excited um, about that Super Bowl performance? Oh, yeah, Riri yeah. and Travis Scott. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. God. Yes. He's my number one all-time celebrity crush. So. And Rihanna, Rihanna is? Rihanna? Yes. I mean, I'm not mad at it by any means. You seem to be mad at right. it. Right. I'm not, I'm not mad. I mean, like, it's that, I don't know if she's in my top five. Well, that's fine, Fiddy. That, you like what you like, but Rihanna is a world-class beauty. Um, I like you, Wes. Thank you. Wes is in your top five. Even though you cut my flash out of the last segment, I still like you. Did I? You did. You didn't go to his flash. 
I didn't. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just going off of the uh, the rundown, so I didn't see that. <laughs> <laughs> My bad, Fitty. You still want to get flashed? You could have interrupted me and said, y'all, I'm supposed to do a flash. <laughs> I forgot. Did you want to do a flash before we do this segment? Um, Did you want to make up for lost time? You know, since we we're can do on, it. Since, since we're on the subject, really quickly here, let me grab my flash and music. Okay, please do. Um, Why don't you flash us, man? The NFL <laughs> uh, did announce yesterday who will perform all the pregame festivities at the Super Bowl. Of course, we know the halftime will be performed by Wes's uh, heartthrob, Rihanna, but uh, country music star Chris Stapleton will perform the national anthem. R&B legend Babyface will sing America the Beautiful. And actor slash uh, singer Sherry Lee Ralph will perform Lift Every Voice and Sing. How how hype were you for the halftime show last year? I'm always hyped for the halftime shows. Um, but last year we got some hip-hop. We got Snoop Dogg. We got Dr. Dre. Eminem yeah. made an appearance. Yeah, 50 I was cent. excited about that. But that was pretty fun. Yeah, it was definitely, man. And I get excited for the pop acts. A lot of the acts, most Super Bowl acts that they have, I'm pretty excited for. Because it's going to be such a tremendous, visually stimulating performance. <laughs> <laughs> this year especially, I guess is what you're saying. Uh, Fitty, is that the time that you actually go refill on the snacks and maybe take a bathroom break? How much do you care about halftime performances? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I watched last year's because last year's was probably the best of my, my mm -hmm. lifetime watching the Super Bowl. But I'm either usually getting more food, making space for more food, <laughs> or I'm in the shower, you know, getting <laughs> <laughs> you in the shower. I mean, because, you know, look, sometimes the game ends late. If you stay up and watch all the post-game stuff, it gets like 10, 30, 11, 12 o'clock. I'm just going to take a shower at halftime. That way I'm clean. You stopped and paused. I had no clue right, what you were about. That could have went left, <laughs> right, up, down, yeah, whatever. Get your head out of the gutter. I'm not always, uh, not always an animal when I get in the shower, okay? <laughs> Are you ever an animal? I don't know what to say. All right, that's Fitty with the Fitty Flash, an all-important shower update that's as well. That's going to be dope, though, Babyface uh, singing America. Very cool. Yes, absolutely. That's going to be very cool as well. Let's go to what's on tap. Uh, hang on. Give me a second. We you know about Babyface? Are we just trying to do what? I said, you know about Babyface? Yeah, I know about Babyface. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know as much as you would, but you got mad at me when I was asking questions about, like, yeah, Bone I mean, Thugs Harmony. And... I mean, because you know the rap junkie that I am. So when you ask me certain questions, I'm just looking at you. So when I, I forget why we brought it up. Because you asked I, me Bone Thugs and you asked me somebody else a couple a of weeks ago. Was Mob Deep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you ask, that's when I really looked at you. Like you well, talk about the stank face. I looked at yeah. you like Walker. Really? And, and it makes sense. But I only ask you that question, and I only ask you about older hip hop groups because you don't like listening to some '90s rap because you say it doesn't like you don't like what it reminds you of. I said I have to be in the mood to listen to '90s you rap because I said it makes really me like feel like, it like yeah. That. I said it makes me feel like I'm back in the '90s again Which is when fine. I listen to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is fine. But just, I still have to, you know, just being a rap junkie that I am, I've heard it and for sure listen to it all. But I, I love I, a good bit. I, I mean, I guess I should ask, do you still listen to it? Yeah. I asked, do you listen to Bone Thugs and Harmony? That would be more apropos. Okay. Because you do. Because yeah. you asked it to me like, have you am ever heard I even familiar? <laughs> you heard <laughs> those Wu-Tang guys? They're pretty good. <laughs> 
Did you ever? This <laughs> the this uh, thirty six chambers. Right, right. You ever heard of that album? Yeah, I'm trying to think, man. You ever oh, heard Ready to Biggie Small? Have you ever heard? I mean, look, man, Tupac. Like he's right. he's this uh, West Coast kid. He's <laughs> <laughs> pretty interesting what yeah. he's doing over there. No, yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting stuff. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, speaking of the West Coast, the Hornets are playing out there. They're playing tonight. Let's go to what's on tap. They're playing the Suns at 9 p.m. Second night of a back to back. We talked about it with Sam Farber on the broadcast yesterday. How hard it is for the Charlotte Hornets to not only play in Utah in an elevated space above sea level, but then the second night of a back-to-back going still on the West Coast Mm -hmm. to play Phoenix, which, yes, they are not as good as we might have thought they would be at the beginning of the season, but still a talent-laden team. Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, still plenty of names you certainly have heard of. Um, I believe a a six-and-a-half-point spread. Yeah. The Phoenix Suns are favored here. Do you think the Charlotte Hornets can cover and maybe, if you're feeling froggy enough, just like I said yesterday, do you think the Hornets can win the second night of a back-to-back? I don't know. The Hornets have a tendency to get weird when they go out on the West Coast. And like I said, there'll be no Devin Booker tonight, Joe, no Jay Crowder, no Cameron Payne, some of these other guys, but mostly no Devin Booker or DeAndre Ayton is doubtful. But I'm still going to go with the Sun. What about you, Fitty? You going with the Phoenix Suns to win? It's hard to pick the Charlotte Hornets right now it with the is. way things have been going. And especially with Phoenix having something to play for. This is, I mean, it would be an awful loss for Phoenix. Second night of a back-to-back for a team that is towards the bottom of the standings while Phoenix is still trying to get not only in the play-in but the postseason. It's hard to believe that the Phoenix Suns would come out and lose this game. Yeah, no, I, I think the Hornets will be competitive for a quarter, maybe two, maybe two and a half, three quarters. I do think the about Suns four. win. Yeah, three and a half. Four. Go ahead and I mean, say we're getting four. there overtime, two overtimes. Maybe four and a half quarters if they go to <laughs> overtime or something <laughs> like that. Um, I, I, I just, first off, I think Phoenix is starting to figure it out. They've won three in a row. They're starting to get healthier. Monty Williams is as good a coach there yeah, is in the awesome. league. And also it benefits the Hornets to lose, so I'm not rooting for a win. Yeah, I don't want to talk. I don't want to say it out loud. I I'll really do don't want to say it. All right, thank yesterday. You. Because, because I'm a man and you're a boy. You've been to that in the first part of the show. Uh-huh. Ah. Barnacle boy, you're mermaid man. You have to wheel you around in your wheelchair all the time. And then still, bad things happen to me. That's just how it goes. we got some texts in the text line. 704 number comes in with a great idea. We should do a Super Bowl halftime performance, fire or fizzle. Now, it might require some research from you in order to go back and watch some of those halftime performances. Maybe you just remember some. Oh, I can remember some off the top of Okay. All right. So 704 number coming in with a good idea. And then a 704 number, a different one, said, Thank you, sir. The Super Bowl introduced me to Shakira. Haven't looked back since. Mm. So he's going to stick around for these halftime shows. All right, Fiddy. What happened on this day in sports history? All right, guys. Well, we go to on this day. In 2014, where my favorite New York Nick of all time, Carmelo Anthony, goes off for a career high and franchise record 62 points, the most points uh, scored at the current version of Madison Square Garden, as the New York Knicks beat the then Charlotte Bobcats 125-96. That was a tough one. Did you watch wow. that performance, Walkmail? Absolutely. Um, Walkmail. That, that, that shook me. Okay. Yes, I did. I did watch it. MKG, one of the better defenders in the league even at that point, got cooked by one of the better scorers of all time in Carmelo Anthony. I believe it wasn't far in advance or, or maybe even after where somebody else just absolutely cooked the Charlotte. I think LeBron. 
I think LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony went off for close to 60 and 60 in Carmelo's case, if I'm not mistaken. But, yes, I was watching this game. And lastly, guys, on this day in 2016, we talked about Cam Newton earlier in the show. Well, on this day, he continued his stellar play during his MVP season in Carolina as he threw two touchdowns, ran for two more as the Panthers beat the Cardinals in the NFC title game. 49 to 15 to make their second ever franchise or Super Bowl in franchise history. Yeah, awesome run. I mean, such a, a magical time for Carolina despite the Super Bowl ending in a loss. I'll still remember being at draft the bar next to the Bank of next to Bank of America Stadium when it was in existence and Luke Keekley returns the interception for a touchdown. The loudest sports moment I've ever been a part of in my entire life. That happened against the Cardinals others against the Seahawks no, no, in the no, divisional. Against, I was saying the run it was against oh. the Seahawks. I was saying I was there against when they played the Seahawks. And then the next game, I have a couple of buddies that went to that NFC Championship game. But just destroying the Cardinals, not even close. It, it was almost um, a big-time route for Carolina, but Seattle would come back and then have to hold on. And then they did eventually route the Arizona Cardinals. Let's say I'm going to turn this around make this about me. Okay? Of course you This are. is what I tell people like Fitty. They come in and think because Philadelphia blew out the Giants that they're just going to run over my 49ers. What happened to the Panthers? I don't want to bring up bad memories, but I am going to do that. Don't want people preface it like that. They're going to do it. Did all that, beat the brakes off of the Cardinals, 49-15, and then what happened when you went up against the Broncos? That's all I'm saying. NFL is a week-to-week league, people. I know you guys thought that the Super Bowl was you in hand after that wait, game, didn't you, you? I know I had to do it, but, but I had Fitty's to do it. But not offended. Like, if you're going right. to offend Fitty, no, you No, but just I'm just saying to bring to his point that he thinks because of what he saw last week that that's what's going to happen this week. I'm sorry, Don't everybody. work like that, homie. Kyle Bailey. Sorry. Well, I mean, I mean, Sorry, I mean Panther breaking fans. news, West pissed off Panther fans <laughs> for the upteenth time on the history of the show. Sorry, guys. It's Kyle Bailey up next, Sports Radio, 92.7 FM. Ron Miller. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.